This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. While politicians around the world play sport over the rights to publicly grill Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook's executives, one company seems to be Teflon-coated in this age of data scandals. Are we heading for Amazon's Age of Empire, wonders Culture Pop's Matt Armitage? Yes, it's time to Matt-splain. Why the sudden interest in Amazon? Well, a few weeks ago, um, we did a story on Geek Squawk that I called Bezos Bingo. because yes. Yeah, exactly, because as listeners know, I'm incredibly cheesy. Uh, but the story was about Amazon's search for its second US headquarters. And tech journalists had taken to checking the flight records of Bezos' personal plane to check which cities he'd been flying towards to see if that would give them an edge over where the headquarters was likely to be situated. Mm. It's not really much of a story. It's very light-hearted. There's not really any substance to it. It just seems to be another one of the endless stream of seemingly inconsequential Amazon stories. So when you do a search on any of the big news sites, you quickly see that Amazon stories come up pretty much every day. But they're rarely that kind of big ticket item. They're rarely making the headlines. They're just kind of there ticking away in the background. Uh, So which made you think that there's something sinister in the background? For once, no. Um, it, it, It kind of reminded me that most people have this image of Amazon as the online retailer. And that's where most people have their interaction with the company. Mm. So when you're in the tech world, and it's probably stretching the definition to say that I'm in the tech world. Mm. But, you know, when you're looking at the world of tomorrow and potential cultural impacts, which is what we try and do on this show, um, (laughs) you are more aware of these things. But at the same time, you take a lot of things for granted. So I know that Amazon is much more than a retailer. Um, There's a story today, for example, about Amazon supplying facial recognition software to law enforcement agencies um, that actually work with their body cameras. Uh, So I'm sure that most of our listeners are aware that Amazon is more than just the dot com. But like the facial recognition product, that doesn't mean that people are aware of the sheer scale of what Amazon is actually involved in. Isn't it more important to focus our attention on the companies that are making the headlines, Facebook and Google and companies that have been caught up in the privacy and, and, and data kind of uh, overreach? Well, that's exactly why I think we should be talking about Amazon right now um, and looking at the, the sheer scale of what Amazon is and what it's going to become and where it's going to, to be headed. As regular listeners will know, my biggest issue with a lot of the technology companies is the way that we pay for their services. One of the reasons that we have these issues with privacy and data overreach is because we're making companies like Facebook do weird contortions in order to find a business model. Our relationship with Amazon is much more straightforward. It's basically a transactional one. Amazon provides services and we pay for them. Even services that they do provide free, such as websites like IMDb and Goodreads, which, again, a lot of people may not be aware that Amazon owns, those services tend to point back towards products that Amazon sells, namely film and book and TV streaming services. And that's really clever. It's so clever that a lot of people may not even realize how much data the company is able to gather about them and how it's able to nudge them towards spending money on one of their sites or companies. It's, it's interesting you say that, just to kind of interject here. I was uh, watching a documentary on Vice about um, people who were... If I, it wasn't Vice, it was... Uh, so I was watching John Oliver the other day, and he was talking ab- about people who were going through uh, rehab. 
And he was looking at a rehab center based in Miami, and it was a particular rehab center. And on all the websites, it was voted, you know, five stars out of five. It turns out the guy that owns a rehab center also owns a review site. Yeah, and you find a lot of this repeated across the technology industry. Uh, and these things, they... While they might appear dubious, they're not illegal. Right. And all of the ownership is actually stated if you look deep enough. But the thing is, we don't look deep enough. We, we rarely look beyond the page that we're looking at. And if someone gives something five stars, and it, it's the same with Amazon, their, their reviews uh, network on their site is actually replacing a lot of the mm. traditional critical reviews. Mm -hmm. They've even found with uh, book reviews that when books go out to critics – what the comments on Amazon do is actually reflect or aggregate what the the critics will say. So it's kind of replacing this um, professional critics industry in a sense as mm. well. So in Malaysia, at least, Amazon doesn't have much of a, a, a big presence, though it does have dedicated stores in Singapore, India and Australia now. Exactly. Um, and that's another reason for talking about the company, because in Malaysia, we don't really see its presence so overtly as we might do, say, in the US. Mm. But we're still all a part of its ecosystem in quite a lot of ways. All right. And let's rewind a few steps. What exactly is Amazon? Well, Amazon is best known as an online retailer, so Amazon.com, and of course, its numerous offspring around the world, .co.uk, .ca, etc., etc. Uh, Amazon was founded back in 1994, and that actually makes it one of the older internet companies. Uh, Jeff Bezos left a Wall Street firm eager to get in on the burgeoning online scene, uh, which, you know, when we're talking about the mid-1980s, was the information super dust track rather than the super highway we have now because if you compare it to the net we have today it was kind of like you know the electric supercar versus the the donkey and yeah. cart you know the donkey and cart gets you there eventually but gosh it smells bad and it stops an awful <laughs> lot of times along the way it does. you know um but working on his game plan uh, bezos came up with the idea of an online bookstore so he asked a bunch of his friends and relatives to support him and invest at least fifty thousand dollars in his new company in exchange for around one percent of the capital. Approximately 20 of them did, including his parents, who stumped up, I think, $300,000. Now, those 20-odd individuals should be extremely wealthy today, assuming they held on to their stakes, because that 1% is worth a colossal 7 billion US dollars today. $50,000 for $7 billion. Wow. That, I mean, that's, you know, even, even Bitcoin doesn't give you that kind of return. <laughs> Especially not now. Uh, what, so what's Amazon's current net worth then? It's somewhere in the region of between $750 and $800 billion. I think it's the third biggest company in the, the world by value at the moment. Uh, Amazon is in a flat race with Apple to become the first trillion-dollar-valued company. Uh, the company turned over, uh, I think, $170 billion last year. And while we've seen Apple struggling over the past few years to maintain that innovation cycle, there's a feeling that Amazon, despite its size, is really only getting started. So while a lot of tech companies have that period of exponential growth that slows, Amazon simply seems to saturate a market and then find other areas to expand into. Um, it's a bit like the, the blob, if you want a, a sci-fi analogy. Uh, the company currently accounts for half of all 
online transactions in the US. So that's one out of every two dollars spent. Uh, it's involved in almost every aspect of economic activity in the US. Manufacture, retail, distribution, logistics, financial services, entertainment, healthcare, IT, cloud services. So when you look at Amazon versus Google or Facebook or Apple, you're already having a very different conversation. Right. Um, most of these companies are looking at ways to diversify and retain market share. Amazon is simply expanding around a core business, and that expansion gets wider and broader. So it's one of the very few that is exponentially expanding vertically and horizontally. And it's one of the very few tech companies that charges us directly at every level of our interaction with it. Can you buy absolutely anything on Amazon? Well, it's not the dark net. I think sometimes it gets overstated what's <laughs> lurking in their product catalogue. But um, for interest's sake, I did check to see if I could buy a flamethrower on the site. And? Well, Yes. Um, and my purpose, you know, I wanted a multi-purpose tool. You know, it's good for toast. It's good right. for party tricks. It's also good for road rage. And, and your lawn, you know. And, and your lawn. Well, yeah. And also because the US has a rather different attitude to what constitutes a dangerous device compared to a lot of other countries. So what they have is not a military-grade flamethrower, which was a little bit disappointing. Um, but one of the marketplace third parties sells a natural gas-powered flame machine that is designed, as you said, for burning up weeds. Brilliant. So yeah, that counts. There you go. Okay. Uh, so why do you think that Amazon is in such a, a strong position compared to a lot of the other technology companies? Well, scale is one obvious answer and because it's not boxed into any particular corner. So even direct competitors like China's Alibaba seem to get more media coverage for what they do. Amazon manages to be aggressive and low-key at the same time. So I was speaking at a conference last year and when a member of the audience asked which technology companies did I think would be the dominant companies in, say, 10 or, 12, uh, 10 or 20 years, I think a lot of people were surprised that I said Amazon rather than Snapchat or Facebook or, or Google. And when you look around, you can see a lot of the database technology companies wondering how they're going to make the jump into the next era of technology. How are they going to retain the relevance? So, for example, you know, how are companies like Google and Facebook going to fare in this new world of screenless technology. Isn't Google currently the leader in that pack? Google is certainly streets ahead for most of the competitors when it comes to AI, artificial intelligence, neural networks, and this new era of uh, computering. And I'm pushing the word computering to distinguish making computers from the actual computing uh -huh. that they do. I have a feeling that it's not going to catch on. But... Um, <laughs> You know, you have Google along with heavy-duty computing and computering companies like IBM. Um, we're seeing companies like Facebook and Apple playing catch-up and trying to get into this game. And it really is an uphill task. It requires a lot of acquisition money because this isn't an area where you just start from scratch. IBM has been doing AI for literally decades. You know, you don't wake up one morning and decide to be a market leader in neural networks unless you've got a few billion bulging in your pockets. That's not to say that it's a, a hopeless task. As usual, I dictated my notes for this show using Apple's natural language processor, which is built into the operating system of my computer. Um, and, you know, it's part of what people know as Siri. Mm. So when we talk about this kind of natural language processing, Amazon isn't the obvious leader. No, but that gives you an idea of how the company operates. When Amazon innovates, it's in a very different way to a lot of other technology companies. It's more of a reverse engineering approach. 
They didn't approach it like Google and come up with a machine intelligence system and try and figure out ways to make money from it. They realized that they wanted a device in people's homes, so they would have to develop class-leading microphone technology so that people's requests could be received with no mistakes from across a room, and a neural network that had the knowledge and the understanding to process those requests. As a result, Amazon is leading in terms of integration and hardware. By contrast, we're only starting to see the first machine intelligence hardware devices from companies like Google and Apple finally reaching the market uh, with those natural language operating system services baked inside. Mm. Those companies are still very much wedded to devices with screens. Amazon isn't, and its approach is really different. Amazon practically gives its entry-level hardware away. Uh, their tablets start at around 80 US dollars, and they're actually really good serviceable items. Their Fire tablets are, are, are fine. They might not be as versatile or cool-looking as an iPad or an, I, uh, an Android tablet, but they are really tightly tied into Amazon's ecosystem, and for a lot of users, that's actually what they want. Right. You know, They want a machine that lets them surf the web, watch movies, answer the occasional email, and buy stuff. And... If it's cheap enough that you drop it and break the screen, you know, you're not going to spend the night sobbing. In fact, for a lot of Amazon products, you can replace it with a new one for less money than it would cost to have the equivalent product from Apple repaired. And that's really important in this kind of cost-conscious world. All right, let's take a short break. Uh, when we come back, uh, more on Amazon and its natural language system, Alexa. That's all coming up on second part of Matt Splained here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm in the studio with Culture Pop's very own Matt Armitage. Welcome back to Matt Splained. Uh, we're halfway through the show and Matt hasn't said anything remotely scary so far. Uh, I can only assume he's saving the Armageddon for the final minutes. Right. Alexa, for those who don't know, who or what is Alexa? Well, I'll start with something scary as you've brought the topic up. Um, Alexa is Amazon's version of Siri. It's a voice assistant built into a lot of their hardware devices that enables you to access information and services online. Obviously, that's not the scary part. That's quite normal. Uh, the scary part is a story from a few months ago that Alexa-equipped devices would start to emit a strange and witchy laugh for no apparent reason. And that apparently scared some users. Of course, as it you know, would do. Yeah, yeah, you're in your kitchen and suddenly you're, you're speaking speaker starts laughing manically at you. Yeah. But this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the stories on Amazon often being quite light. I honestly can't remember if anyone got to the bottom of the story, but the chances are it was just a random little prank by a, a coder or a group of coders. You know, we have a quick laugh and we move on. So Amazon is pioneering screenless operating technology. Very much so. And like I said before, it's not so much that the technology is superior to anything that the competitors is offering. It's just a lot more accessible. So, for example, Apple's Fire TV stick is priced at around $40 and it comes with an Alexa enabled remote control. So their TV service is, in effect, an interactive voice based computer for $40. 
Uh, and that kind of hardware, a simple TV streamer, allows the company to sell its ecosystem to people who aren't interested in buying things like smart home controllers, tablets, Kindles, and all the other devices. Uh, when you look at their Echo Dot voice-controlled speaker, uh, it's making its way into tens of thousands of homes because it's priced at an amazing $50. In fact, if you go onto Amazon.com at the moment, there's a special way you can buy two dots for $80. So they're discounting oh, them. Oh, is there now? Yeah, for, by $20. By contrast, Apple's HomePod speaker is priced at $350. So so, you know, you can have seven of these Apple speak, uh, sorry, Amazon speakers for the price of one of the, the Apple ones. Uh, you might argue that Apple and Amazon are going for two very different markets, but Amazon's market is very straightforward. People who want to buy stuff from Amazon. Are we more likely to buy into uh, walled garden systems in a, in a screenless world? Yeah, I mean, that's a very real risk. Um, when you're looking at a screen, you're more aware of the world that you're navigating. You know, for example, that you can only get your apps from one source. You know how many websites you're going to. You have exit points from that walled garden, so your internet browser, for example. And that's why we see so much jockeying for position between Apple and Facebook and Google, because mm. none of them wants you to exit their walled garden and enter the garden of somebody else. Mm. I think screenless technology makes you care a little bit less um, because you're not really aware of where you are in the ecosystem. You're simply asking for something and a computer serves it up to you. If you ask an AI a question, you have no idea where it's actually going to to get that information. Well, I'm, I mean, obviously, the person who owns the AI knows where it's going, um, but that won't be obvious to a user. Uh, so do you think then that the uh, average user... Uh, really cares about whether they're walled in or not. No, not because I'm trying to be patronising, but I think that most people simply won't notice. If you ask a question and you get an answer to that question, in most instances, that's good enough, uh, which is why Amazon has really got a jump on the competition. It has this really tightly integrated ecosystem that revolves around selling you products. Mm. It will do all the shiny, happy stuff like tell you what time it is. It'll give you the latest scores in whatever meaningless sport you follow. Uh, but at the core of what it does, it listens to you and it gives you what you want. And that's a really attractive proposition, especially for $50. And it's not a proposition that Apple or Google can currently compete with. You know, it's all about washing powder. Mm. Apple can sell you an app or some music to do your laundry to. Google can direct you to any number of businesses, online or offline, that will sell you some detergent. Depending on where you live, Amazon will deliver that detergent to you within a couple of hours. And people trust Amazon? I think they do. Um, we haven't seen that erosion of trust in the company that we've seen with a lot of other technology companies. And that's not to say the company doesn't have its dark side. Um, Donald Trump hates Amazon. Absolutely. You, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of stories about Amazon's attitude to paying sales and income taxes. Uh, regulators in some countries have their eye on Amazon for potential monopoly and, and antitrust violations. It certainly doesn't have the best reputation amongst the technology companies for creating a fun working environment. But on the other hand, unlike a lot of tech companies, it actually employs people um, and not just highly skilled programmers. Uh, currently, I think its uh, employee role stands at around half a million people. So yeah. it is a major employer. I mean, those are all negatives. You know, how does the company generate that feeling of trust? 
By being very customer-oriented, if you go to Amazon's retail sites, you generally find that their prices are amongst the cheapest for pretty much everything they sell. Their sites are easy to navigate. They have a lot of one-click buying options, so you don't spend ages going through various e-commerce layers, adding in shipping addresses and credit card details. Their delivery systems are robust and efficient, so it's a really convenient service. And yes, occasionally a package goes astray, but you contact their customer service and they pretty much instantly put a replacement in the the post to you. And those are the kind of small touches that keep you coming back and buying more, even if you have certain reservations about the way that the company does business. Okay, uh, so how can uh, traditional retailers compete then? Well, in a sense, they can't, hence the murmurs about antitrust investigations. So it's partly about deciding what kind of society that you want to live in. Uh, I think when it comes to independent retailers, people have already made their decisions. A growing number of people are willing to pay slightly higher prices in order to support businesses in their local community. Mm. Sorry, is it my turn? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I cut out a bunch of stuff. That's all right. right. Yeah. So uh, it must be more than Amazon versus the independents. Right. So it must be more than Amazon versus the independents. Is, is the company threatening, actually threatening retail chains? Well, that's where it becomes a bit blurry and a lot more cutthroat. Um, is Amazon any better or worse than Marks & Spencer or Walmart mm. or Target or Tesco's? That's one of the reasons I think we don't have an overly negative view of Amazon and why we trust them, because we see them as a shark that's mainly feeding on other sharks. Big box retailers have long had independent store owners under siege. We don't really feel any sympathy for them. If Amazon gobbles them up, the attitude seems to be, you know, good riddance plus a change, especially when Amazon is increasingly expanding into bricks and mortar spaces as well with its takeover of the Whole Foods supermarket chain in the US and its emergence in the uh, fresh food delivery market, leveraging on that colossal logistics chain and distribution network. Now, uh... Can we steer clear of Amazon? Well, this is where I get to be the the voice of doom and Armageddon. Just for Um, change. Of course. Um, In short, no, because as I said, Amazon is far more than a retail site. Uh, The company that everyone laughed at back in the early 2000s because it sold DVDs and books and CDs, but it couldn't turn a profit on them no matter how far it expanded. It now has a hand in everyone else's business. Amazon Web Services, uh, or AWS, its cloud computing division, accounts for around 45% of the world's cloud computing business, uh, which is absolutely colossal. So every day you're using services and websites that rely on Amazon Mm. and not just commercial companies. So you said, you know, is it possible to avoid Amazon? Well, the CIA uses AWS. You could be part of the Amazon supply chain simply because the CIA is investigating you. You you know, there, there are ways that it can be extended to you that you're not even aware of. Even its competitors use Amazon. Uh, according to a Guardian report I read, the Tesco supermarket chain uses AWS, despite wow. Amazon being a direct competitor. Netflix relies on AWS servers, even though Prime Video is its closest competitor, I guess. And there are rumors that Amazon is even going to seek a banking license in the relatively near future, which also makes sense. It's one of the leaders in online payment gateway technology. It already offers microloans to small businesses using its marketplace services. So I think we're going to see it expanding its financial offerings as well. All right. But but how are, how are governments and regulators and all, all of that responding to, to this kind of growth? Well, I think legislators are getting increasingly concerned. So, for example, Amazon's marketplace, which 
is uh, what allows third-party retailers to sell using the Amazon.com. Uh, it gives them the option as well of using its fulfillment center, so its warehousing and delivery network. That already accounts for around 20% of Amazon's red revenue and actually up to half of the goods sold through the site. So when you factor expansion into so many other sectors, including the announcement this year that Amazon would be looking into healthcare, which again makes sense. It has half a million employees, so it doesn't want to pay a medical provider when it can do the service for itself and then sell those services to, to other people. Right. So there have been concerns that Amazon could essentially become a tax on trade, that it has its fingerprints on so many parts of the world economy that it becomes, in effect, like a privately owned global sales tax. Uh, should we be worried? <laughs> Uh, probably. Um, monopolies <laughs> don't tend to improve the situation for people. Um, prices tend to be low until they don't have to be low anymore. So the bigger a company is, the more muscle it has to distort markets and put up barriers to competition. And even if you can avoid giving your money directly to Amazon, the chances are you're still giving it to companies that have contracted Amazon for some other kind of service. In this instance, I think our most realistic recourse is actually to put pressure on our governments and representatives to deal with Amazon on our behalf. So are you worried? I'm never alarmed. Um, I think the worst I get is a, a mild case of concern. Um, there are certain parts of Amazon's behavior that trouble me, as I've mentioned during the show. Um, I guess a romantic part of me can see Amazon becoming the Star Trek replicator of companies. I'd say, Alexa, I'd like a cup of tea, a portion of chips and a new pair of socks, please. And all of it just materializes in front of me. Uh, and I, I think we have this tendency as well to think about our social life in terms of malls and shops, especially here in Southeast Asia. And I know this sounds very hippie-ish of me. Um, as much as I don't want to lose all those independent retailers, part of me does wonder if we actually need all of those retailers and shops? And do we want a society that is geared around retailers and consumerism? You know, couldn't we do something better with our time than just visiting stores? I think that's a bit much, though. Well, I know. Um, it does strike me that uh, we would have a lot more free time if we were freed from having to do the mundane stuff like grocery shopping. Um, when I've been to the third store in a row trying to find food that my extremely fussy cat will eat, I do wonder at the uh, futility of all of it. Um, and you think, well, you know, is there something better we can do with these communal spaces than turn them over to, to shops? Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Amazon is in this business because it has some utopian social vision of our future. Uh, of all the technology companies, I think Amazon is probably the most hard-nosed when it comes to numbers and profit. And as I've said before, I would rather have our tech luminaries stay within the tech field and not play around with politics and social engineering. I think it would be interesting, not to mention a little ironic, if the ultimate consumer company freed us from the trappings of a consumer society uh, because we can buy everything from it with one click and we no longer have to spend our time doing these mm. things. Anyway, uh, I guess that's probably nothing more than uh, a daydream. And I've managed to get through a whole show without casting anyone into the fiery pits of hell. So far. So far. But if you are interested in the fiery pits of hell, Amazon has one of the best selections of barbecuing equipment on the planet. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, for more information and transcripts of these shows, head over to culturepop.com, where you can also find out how to bring the joys of matsplaining to your company. You're listening to BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.